0: This is CliffCentral.com.
1: This is Professor David Black, and join me on our weekly slot at 2.52. We do apologize for the unprecedented delay in me starting three minutes late. But at 14.03, uh, we have just such an exciting topic today and that is one of the great NASA breakthroughs. Now before I dig into that, let us give you some contact details if you want to contact me in studio. I'm at zero eight six one triple five one eight nine. That's Professor David Block looking up with all my l- listeners on zero eight six one triple five one eight nine. The Twitter handle at cliffcentral.com, and the most popular way of reaching Duncan and myself, uh, who's really more than my right-hand man here. Is Cliff Central is the ID? My ID is at Starry Galaxy Man on the Twitter feed at Starry Galaxy Man. Now, Dory just showed me something very interesting, Duncan, on Google, and you can do it too. Just type in Google and get the front page, and you'll see something rather curious. So we're just typing in google dot com. We want to go to google dot com, and wow! Right in the centre there of Google, the Doodle is what? Duncan, what do you see?
0: I see a picture of uh, Mars drinking a cup of water.
1: <laughs> you see a picture, a red O. Oh, I think it's brilliant, Google guys. You see in the Google Doodle. Uh, G O and then the second O, which Dory pointed out to me is Mars and Mars has got two eyes and a wee little nose and is a drinking somewhat. What would you, what do you think you drink on Mars, Duncan? Would it be Savannah or not? <laughs> well, I don't <laughs> know, but all I know is we're going to be cooking with gas today as we are uh, just excite all our listeners with regard to what is happening on the Google doodle with regard God to the second O, and I mean that's that's how big this breakthrough is. This breakthrough has been uh, a broadcast around the world. I was on television last night live. Well, hopefully not dead, of course. uh, Discussing water on Mars, and it's uh, it's everywhere. I mean, it's it was on CNN and the BBC, and I don't think there's one station anywhere in the world. But it was only announced last night, and so I'm very thrilled today. As the resident professor of astronomy to at Cliff Central to actually discuss this at some length. Now, what's very interesting is that for a long time, astronomers have of course known that there was uh, frozen water on Mars. That was never a surprise. Uh, you've got uh, Mars with its polar caps. Just put in there, Duncan, Mars polar caps images. And that's what I recommend that you do too, is that just, and there we go, Mars polar ice caps. And you can see Duncan has brought up a very beautiful image of the uh, polar ice caps. Uh, polar caps made up of ice on the planet Mars. And Mars has, in fact, got two permanent polar ice caps. So, when it gets cold, the ice cap grows in size. When it uh, summer arrives, uh, the ice caps decrease in size. And it's really a mixture of CO2, which on Earth we know as... Dry ice. So that is well known. And I remember growing up in Krugersdorp and looking through my little telescope there at the planet Mars. It was very easy to see, Duncan. I don't know if you remember the days, Duncan, when they still delivered milk in milk cans, do you? No. I no, think. not at all. Okay, no. Duncan doesn't remember that. But I certainly remember that. And um, in those days, I put up my telescope. Yep, around 1969, I was in high school. And it was just simply awesome to uh, look up at the night sky, to look up at the planet Mars. And very clearly, even with my four and a half inch telescope, I could see Mars with its incredible polar caps of ice, of dry ice. So the fact that there's ice on Mars, uh, ice on the polar caps, has been known for a long, long, long time, especially since also clouds of water ice were photographed by the spacecraft Opportunity in the year 2004. So these polar caps consist primarily of water ice, frozen carbon dioxide, frozen uh, dry ice. And I guess that they are comparatively thin compared to our polar caps, but nevertheless around one meter thick in the northern cap uh, in winter um, while the southern cap is permanently covered in dry ice about eight meters thick. So imagine you've got two slabs, if you like, of dry ice, one in the north, one in the south, one around one meter max height, um, and the other around eight meters thick. So that has been unknown. But what has always uh, tickled our fancy, if we may use that terminology, is has running water ever existed on the planet Mars? Now, we've had some evidence that running water may have flowed on the planet Mars because if we look at some of the images of Mars, and I'm asking Duncan to type in again, just do this yourselves on Google, uh, Mars dry river beds. Mars, and then the words dry, and then river, and then beds, and go to images, you'll see that Mars has got copious numbers of uh, dry river beds, and there we go, in fact, uh, there we go, Duncan's brought up a beautiful, this is the one I want to see, Duncan, this one here, And Duncan, what is that? What do you see there? I mean, what what is that actually telling you? What are you looking at? Any ideas?
0: Uh, It looks like a very high mountain, Professor. It
1: does, but can you see, if you look very carefully, Duncan, can you see that there is a channel... It looks like a channel of a dry river channel, a drainage channel. In other words, can you see, it? there are mountains in the environs, but can you see this could well be a river that is dried up with the channels? And you think of a river on Earth. What would it look like from above? You'd see all the mm, river tributaries, true. and if it's dried up, you'd see exactly that image. And that image Duncan simply got, which you can get by just ty- Googling the, uh, typing in Google, Mars dry riverbeds and go on to images and you'll see a plethora of them. So, when I look at this image uh, wearing my hat as a professor of astronomy, I realized that, uh, you know, dry riverbeds have certainly existed on the planet Mars. But the question was, does water still flow on the planet Mars? That's two different questions. We see that Mars once did have water and Mars still does have polar caps in the form of dry ice. But the really interesting, the incredible thing was NASA called a huge press gathering, which was uh, beamed across the world world yesterday at 5.30pm South African Standard Time. And uh, I'm going to ask Duncan, as I want you to do too now, just to put in um, Mars NASA release or Mars running water. Let's just do that. Let's just type in Google Mars running water. And you'll see it all comes up uh, immediately. Now, what did we actually find? What did astronomers actually find uh, yesterday? And there it says, in the news, Duncan's got it on Google, right in the news, NASA scientists find evidence of flowing water on Mars. Now, there's a beautiful image, a beautiful site Duncan's brought up. This is in theguardian.com, and you can go there yourselves. Um, it's just changed, but it's coming up again. Oh, I see. We've got a little feed coming up. But the important thing is this. What I'm, what has been discovered, and this is staggering. This is staggering, is that liquid water runs down canyons on Mars. I think that is just awesome, right? Think of uh, canyons on the Earth. Imagine if liquid water was found to be running down the slopes of the, the canyons. But moreover, it was announced that liquid water runs down canyons in Mars and down uh, crater walls on Mars over the summer months as the water evaporates. Um, and of course... Uh, while NASA of course, scientists have been very cautious, they speak about, of course the existence of life forms or prebiotic life forms. I don't want to create too much hope or speculation, as I'm not a professor of astrology or looking into the future. But um, what we are looking at are actually water trickles. Um, now, there was an image. There we go. There we go. And this one here. And now I'm just going to show Duncan, and you can see it on yourself on the guardian.home uh, homepage. is there a lot of these dark, narrow streaks. Can you see them, Duncan? Yeah. Uh, What do you think caused those, Duncan? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I mean, if you think of that on Earth, dark, narrow, running streaks, what would you link it up with?
0: Uh, I would link it with water and fountains. That's right. Water running down. Very
1: good. One would link it up with water and uh, with fountains of water. And that is exactly... What was discovered yesterday is that NASA announced that uh, liquid water has been discovered to flow uh, on Mars. Now, we mustn't think of a giant Niagara Falls here at all, folks. Uh, we're talking of trickles of water. But the point really is this. How did NASA scientists know that there were these trickles of water? Uh, you know, trickling down in the summer months, creating these furrows, these very, very dark features known as RSL. If there's one buzzword on Cliff Central today, it should be R for Robert, S for Sugar, L for Larry, and that um, refers to recurring slope lineae, which really means dark, narrow slopes on the um, planet. But, Duncan, just think of a canyon. Just think of, say, the great canyon on Earth. Wouldn't it be spectacular if suddenly you found the source of the canyon, not only that the canyon you know, formed millions of years ago and so forth, but that there was running water in it? I mean, that is staggering. Now, the point really is, Duncan, what would that suggest to you?
0: That uh, there is life on Earth
1: uh absolutely that there's life on earth because suddenly you realize well there's a canyon there's a river well where are the guys where's gareth cliff where's duncan uh, where's jonathan and so forth and uh where are the guys who caused me to start late and so forth? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a professor of astronomy, Duncan, and lift liftoff is very important to me. If I lift off three minutes late, I actually miss my target, which is Mars. That's true, by the way. <laughs> I can't lift off late. I have to lift off immediately on time, and that's why I'm an absolute stickler for time. But Sally, welcome to Sally. Uh, Sally says... Uh, oh, and you got a gorgeous picture there, Sally. Hello, Prof. Well, hello, Sally. I was so excited about the Mars discovery, but she says when I shared them with my friend, he was so negative, and said he don't believe any NASA news, and he has questions about his religion and his beliefs. Well, let's start off with the first. Comment and let's just work through this because I think it's a very neat one, Sally. Hello, Prof. Well, hello, Sally. That doesn't need any further ado, except to welcome you as a passenger on our magic spaceship in cosmic space and in cosmic time Sally to the planet Mars now you say I was so you've got a couple of O's there I don't know how many she's got Duncan but it looks like lead five or something I'm not quite wearing my glasses right now but I know what she had she had her finger on the O, like Google (laughs) Ooh, I was so excited about the Mars discovery well Sally so was I I was so excited. I suppose I felt as if, you know, I was pregnant. Dory might know the feeling. And then giving birth to a child. I I was pregnant with excitement. And I remember going on live television last night. And I was just impregnated. Well, maybe that's not the right word. But I was (laughs) pregnated. I was pregnant with the news. Can a professor be excited? Asked David Block. Now. I was so excited about the Mars discovery. Well, Sally, to be perfectly correct, everybody is or should be so excited about the Mars discovery because to find flowing water down the canyons and the cliffs and the craters on Mars, even though it's in trickle form, does tend to suggest a very, very rich geological past. But here comes a bit of the sad news. Sally says, But when I shared them with my friend... Now, she says, he was so negative. Well, let me ask your friend this question. Why? You see, he says, your friend apparently says, that it questions his religion and his beliefs. Well, Sally, as you might know, I'm a person who has a very deep commitment to God. But, let me say this. The Bible never brings into any question uh, water elsewhere in the cosmos, water in the solar system. In fact, as a professor of cosmic dust, I studied the existence of water all the time in space. This is not water on other planets, but water in space, water in interstellar space. In fact, I'm also known as a professor of cosmic dust. Now, um. We have a photograph, I don't know what it's doing here on the screen, um, but of a person at the bottom here, Duncan. And this lady is made of cosmic stardust. You and I are made of the stuff cooked in the interiors of stars. Now, what do these dust, dust particles look like? These dust particles are like little balls. Let's just be very simplistic, like little balls. Balls of dust covered in little are mantles of ice, and Duncan, what happens is that atoms of oxygen and life-forming molecules, carbon, um, uh, settle down on these little mantles of ice, and they become chemical factories for life. What do you think about that? And it's from that chemical factories of life that your baby is born.
0: Hmm, fascinating to know. So
1: that is really amazing that we are born from the. We are made. I would tell your friend this: we are made from the dust uh, god in fact says let us make man from the dust of the earth so you know the finding of water on other planets is perfect in in no contradiction at all with any uh, of one's um, scriptural beliefs whatsoever in fact this is really 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 so much in harmony with it i
0: think uh, what sally could also be trying to say professor is uh because they found water on mars and potentially that there may be life on Mars. Yes. And after some time that life may evolve. Yes. And become. Yes. naledi, lady. Yes. And eventually become yes. professor. Yeah. So yes. what would that mean?
1: All right. Now I understand. And that's a very good point that Duncan has helped me with. Uh, because professors need help. Uh, just in understanding the intricacies of this. Uh, questioning religious beliefs with regard to say uh, life. Um, now first of all. First of all, let me just say this. Duncan, I don't believe that Homer and a Lady was your grandmommy. Um... I really don't, but I don't want to go down that line too much today. But uh, there's still so much research to be done, and I know that while there have been uh, some very interesting findings, the bones have not even been dated yet, um, uh, Duncan. I don't know whether you're aware of this, I wasn't. but the bones of Homan and lady have not even been dated yet. So I don't want to downplay what they've found, but I do want to say that as an astronomer, the first thing I would do is date the uh, object i am studied Studying before making uh, claims about it. But nevertheless, that will be done by the teams that are working on it. So that will happen. But the point is a general one, perhaps, that your friend is negative about, and that is life, water, and then life, and then suddenly the appearance of another um Duncan, species on Mars and so on. Well, let me just say this. The discovery of water on a planet does not imply another Sally. That, that's absolutely outrageously wrong. People get the idea that when there's a river, suddenly there's a heavenly body next to the river bathing in it. That's mythology, Duncan. You know, there are these painters, right? And these ancient painters, these painters paint uh, beautiful rivers and so on. And there's this Madonna with nothing on and so forth and um, you know out comes Sally well Sally I haven't seen your frame and I don't know I'm sure your boyfriend or husband or uh, really loves Sally but the point really is Sally is that um, it in no way um, derides any religious beliefs uh, whatsoever Duncan's just bringing up a picture of uh, Sally and um okay, so cell' uh little byline is, sorry black boys, only white men can handle this. Wow Sally, I don't know, <laughs> Duncan that needs explanation to me um, but anyway, I don't want to go down that road right now because that's what we call a detour <laughs> although we are looking at detours on Mars but um, uh, Sally uh, oh, but that was a comment perhaps with regard to someone else. So the point really is Sally, is that yes this is a very important question your boyfriend Friend asks, is that, or your friend asks, is that uh, could life exist elsewhere in the, and especially with regard to Mars, uh, water has been found there, but that, you know, trickles of water. Just think of it this way, trickles of water, say in a canyon doesn't mean there's another Sally or another Darren, a very regular listener from PE and so on. It simply means that there's water there. You don't need to have, you know, water is one of the necessary uh, ingredients, of course, for life, but so are myriads of other criteria, such as the right distance of the planet from the uh, Sun. If you ever thought of this, if there's no life on Mercury, why? It's too hot. There's no life on Venus. Why? Well, for one reason alone it's too hot
0: professor mm. don't you think uh, because mercury is too hot that life would actually adapt to mercury like as uh, humans we adapted to the climate here on no. earth
1: i think that's a very interesting question is can we look at adaptive life the problem is that we don't understand any life which can adapt to temperatures of hundreds or thousands of degrees centigrade and which has got a poisonous atmosphere around it mm. like for example in uh, on Venus, poisonous atmosphere, poisonous certainly to us, and on Mercury, it's just so hot that you can bake, fry, and boil simultaneously. So it's hard to imagine any, but perhaps, perhaps, uh, of what you see, we are always talking of life as meaning self-aware human beings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we are always talking of. Carbon based life, yes. Yeah. But, you know, what Duncan is raising is, of course, a question that I do ponder from time to time. And that is, you know, is a cell which, a hypothetical cell, which is made of silicon only, say a silicon chip, is that life? I mean, it's contained silicon, but, you know, is it life? Well, it's not life as we understand life. A silicon chip is not talking and you can't embrace it. But it raises up a whole new area. But I suppose that with regard to Scripture, Scripture speaks about human beings and we talking about human beings. Now, certainly I can say from all the evidence I've studied of Mars over a great number of years, is that it is clear that there's not even primitive life forms there. Uh, you haven't got, we haven't really got positive evidence that any sort of uh, Primitive life has existed there. I'm aware of some claims that primitive life has existed on Mars. But think of this, Duncan. Mm. What about a little asteroid? carrying some prebiotic life, slamming into the planet, just like uh, comets might strike the Earth. Remember I discussed that discovery last year of a comet hitting the Earth? That would bring with it whatever's on it. So if it's got some uh, primitive cells, doesn't mean to say it's coming from the Earth. It just means to say there's primitive life cells. You've then got to question the origin. Maybe there was an intruder, like a comet, coming in from outer space. Could be. So you've got to be very, very careful, folks. Even if you find a prebiotic life, is how did it get there? Is it a result uh, of water being present on the planet or has it been transported there? I had a very dear friend in the Holland, Mayor Greenberg, one of the world's greatest astronomers, uh, expert on cosmic dust, and the late Mayor Greenberg believed, sincerely so, that many, many uh, cells imperative to prebiotic life were carried there by comets, so he believed that comets slammed into planets we discovered discussed last year uh, just google this duncan Hypatia h y p a t i a listeners h y p for peter a t i a comet strike egypt just those words. Hippatia, Comet Strike, Egypt, uh, H-Y-P-A-T-I-A. And you'll see right there, this was huge news on Google last year. Um, and uh, there we are. First evidence of comet striking found in Egypt. So Duncan's just clicking on the first one on Fox News. So let's see what comes up. Uh, let's just have a look what comes up on Fox News with regard to a comet which contains a lot of water ice. Um, so, let's just go up there. This is now Fox News. And um, so, uh, Duncan, is, it says, a team of scientists have found the first ever evidence of a comet uh, striking the Earth. And as Duncan scrolls down, we read um, diamonds were produced. Diamonds were produced by this comet striking Egypt. And then as you, you scribe, um, scroll up, uh, you'll see a whole lot of the um, history uh, of the uh, comet strike, and if you actually uh, click on Comet Hypatia, David Block, you'll find that I was intimately involved in part of um, in part of the uh, work to uh, which um, concluded that a comet had actually hit the Earth. So I'm very used to studying objects which contain water in space. And uh there we go, he's got another one now, David Block, and uh the discovery, it says there, um, you know, was made by the team, led by Professor Jan Kramers and so forth. So we do have uh, evidence of water-bearing material striking the earth. In this case, a comet struck the earth, and comets contained vast amounts of water. In fact, the tails of comets are made of water and water ices. So that is uh, very, very interesting. But Sally, I would really encourage your boyfriend just to relax and not to extrapolate, meaning to believe that he'll go to Mars and find another uh, Sally there. Um, oh, welcome Darren from P.E., I just think, uh, our listeners are just so cool and so arts, ask such insightful questions. Darren from PE says, thanks again for a great show, Prof. Always enjoy listening to you. Well, I always enjoy bringing the latest news to people such as Darren because I suppose or one of my great joys is communicating perhaps rather scientific, fi- sophisticated scientific findings and making them completely intelligible to everybody and with a sense of passion as well. So thank you so much for that. So in summary, before I go on to part two of the crossing today you're listening to Professor David Block I can be reached in studio on the phone but WeChat is certainly the most favorite way of reaching me just at uh, Cliff Central but if you do wish to ring me I'm at 189 a little music break we're going to just chill with some good music chosen by none other than Duncan <laughs> A hearty welcome to Looking Up with David Block. I am sitting here with my right-hand man and my friend Duncan... Duncan, we are looking up at one of the great breakthroughs, one of the great breakthroughs announced last night at 5.30 p.m. South African Standard Time of liquid water trickling down slopes, uh, dark river channels, slopes, narrow little ch- streaks of uh, water on Mars. Duncan, there must be several questions which... um All going through your mind right now. But what would you like to ask me? I'll ask the prof a question.
0: Uh, Prof, I want to know, which one do you think is a bigger discovery, Homo Naledi or The Water on Mars? Oh,
1: <laughs> that is very, very, very naughty. <laughs> the reason it's naughty is that uh, it's naughty for many reasons, but one of the reasons that it's naughty is that uh, the team is being led by a colleague at WITS, uh, <laughs> Homo Naledi is being led by a team headed by um, Professor Lee Berger. So, I, as an astronomer, I would like to rate the... Um, I would like to give them a different kind... Class them in different categories. Uh, I am not sure... Uh, as I have uh, read uh, some of the media, that there's still a lot of answers to be filled in with regard to Homo Naledi, and there's still a lot of answers to be filled in with regard to the Mars discovery. So I look upon it this way. I look upon Homo Naledi and uh, the discovery on Mars as parts of the Jigsaw Piesel puzzles. Do you get the idea, Duncan? I do. Is that we're building a Jigsaw puzzle, And you know, we put together a little piece, and then an Einstein comes along, and he puts some more pieces together, and a Copernicus comes along, and a Philip Tobias comes along, and they put in more and more pieces. I was very friendly, by the way, with a late Philip, uh, Professor Philip Tobias, uh, really one of the greatest scientists Witz has ever produced. And, uh, you know, he was just so proud of the Sturckfontein Caves, and of course he trained Professor Lieberger, as far as I'm aware, Professor Berger um, secured his doctorate with Professor Tobias as his supervisor. Uh, that is as far as I remember, as well as I recall. So I would regard both Home and a Lady, uh, and, uh, this finding as little jigsaw pieces, which we've put into the puzzle, but we don't understand what the full puzzle uh, will show at all, especially with regard
0: to my field of expertise. I hope you'll be around uh, when the puzzle is full together, Professor.
1: <laughs> well, you know, the moment the puzzle is full together, then there's a new puzzle. Uh, <laughs> this is the amazing thing about science, Duncan, is that one makes one discovery, and then you eventually start understanding all the different aspects of it, and just as you think you've understood everything, then another another puzzle uh comes your way and I suppose, Duncan, that's one of the incredible things about being a scientist is, you know, I'm writing a book on the life of Galileo Galilei together with Professor Kenneth Freeman. And, you know, Galileo thought that he had everything tied up in a bow, as it were. But then people like Newton came along and added many more pieces to the puzzle. Mm. And then Newton thought, well, he had it almost well, very well wrapped up. And Einstein came along with his special theory of relativity and his general theory of relativity and um, you know, upset the cart, not upset the cart, but added more pictures to the p- puzzle. So it depends how long Duncan wants me to live for. If we want to be together, <laughs> Duncan, for another thousand years plus, then at the end of that broadcast, we'll say, "Well, we hope there's another thousand years for us to chill and uh, discover the wonder of putting the puzzles together." As you know, as an astronomer and as a scientist, I would say this: we are never at the end of our journey. It's never like a football game or a soccer game, Duncan, where you play and then you uh, reach. Final whistle. Final whistle is blown. That's right. And it is over. Of all the soccer matches Duncan played at the World Cup, this last one, I mean, when you think of Ronaldo, say, you know, the, some of the final goals and so on. I mean, just awesome stuff. But as you've said, the final whistle blows. Um, And we saw that with our spring box the first time I saw it, I nearly died and cried. But nevertheless, I have to compliment Japan for a sterling job. But let me not get diverted. In science, there is no final whistle. And I think that's what's going to happen with Mars, is that as we send more and more spacecraft to Mars, we'll unravel more and more mysteries about Mars.
0: So I guess uh, the more better the technology becomes, the better information we'll get.
1: That's absolutely right. Uh, the better the technology, and of course, there's also uh, the great hope that mankind, meaning men and women, perhaps some of our younger listeners on cliffcentral.com, can, might actually travel to Mars. Now, I want to tell you what the difficulty is, Duncan, about this. The difficulty in going to Mars is not one of technology. The difficulty in going to Mars is one of psychology. Why psychology? Well Duncan, how would you feel like being cooped up in this studio for a period say of two to four years? Can't get out. With you in the room or without With? you? <laughs> Both. They say I'm <laughs> in the room. <laughs> I mean, how would you feel? Would you, would you not feel the need as well as we, you know, just love being together? Doesn't one feel the need to take a walk in the park?
0: That is absolutely true. I think my muscles would get exhausted.
1: Absolutely. Mm. One's muscles would get tired. Uh, one would get cramps. One would need the toilet. Uh, And also this, if you think of checking in to a little hotel, as I recently did in uh, Europe, then when you check in, you want to go out, Duncan, you want to explore, it's part of being human, Mm. you want to go and chill, you want to go to the beach or to uh, see us going to a party tonight and so forth. Um, uh, I think that uh, Sears is one of those great ones who seems to have so many parties and invites that he doesn't know which ones to not accept. But the interesting thing is, is that with regard to traveling to Mars, it's a question of psychology. I mean, how would you, as a listener, think of your best friend or uh, your husband or your wife or your best friend, uh, you know, think of being in a room together. Uh, you know, for a period of a couple of years. Why a couple of years? Because that's the round-trip time. You've got to get there. You've got to land there. When you land there, there's no Sun City to welcome you. Or there's no hotel to welcome you. You can't check in anywhere. And uh, while I'm at, very aware, for example, that the city of Venice started from scratch, Uh, in the water. You'll need to start building a city from scratch. Now, yes, we do have human beings who are willing to do that, but it takes an incredible amount of mental endurance. And we'll be interviewing on this uh, show um, an expert who actually specializes in studying the uh, psychologies of astronauts and the stresses which they undergo uh, being cooped into spacecraft for long periods of time. But Duncan, there must be, uh, other questions which, um, uh, are going through your mind at the present time.
0: Just to end off the, on that note, you just said, I think the best potential astronauts would be people, would be prisoners, people who are high, heavily incarcerated well, most of their lives. That's
1: interesting.
0: Yeah, they're so used I, to I'd it.
1: never thought of that. It is let's relieve the populations in prison. Um, but not on a negative note also, <laughs> but on a positive note. That's what Duncan says is, you know, you are used to spending life behind bars. But, you know, even there, I understand. I mean, I do not know. But even there, I understand that you can go for a walk at times. I mean, mm. you know, I think that uh, even Mandela, of course, was allowed to go and the horrendous chipping of the lime rocks and Robben Island and so on. But they were allowed to go outside, very limited, of course. And if you ask him or Ahmed Kathrada or others, Jeff Bezos, um, you know, advocates George Bezos, uh, you know, what it was like, they were horrendous days. But nevertheless, you could uh, communicate, uh, even by secret means, one with another. I think that going to Mars is a very challenging psychological one because there's no chilling. Now, you'll need special kinds of people. Who do not really thrive on human human companionship, do not really need uh, human comforts, uh, even though the spacecraft may have a little lounge chair or something to relax in. But there are people who are willing to sacrifice their lives for the sake of doing it. And Duncan, if you think of Mount Everest, why do people still climb Mount Everest? People will always tell you because it is there. And so I think that, you know, that's part of the human psyche to me, is that, you know, whenever there's a great mountain, people will climb it. Whenever there's A paragliding competition, people will do it. Whenever there's something to be set in the World Guinness World Book of Records, people will always want to do it. Maybe people like Sally, people like Darren. I don't know, Duncan, would you like to go to Mars round trip of a couple of years?
0: Given the opportunity. But Professor, uh, I just want to know. How are they getting all this data from uh, yes, out of space? Yes, that's a
1: very interesting question. Which spacecraft was used to make the breakthrough announced worldwide last night? Well, that's a brilliant question. Was it Curiosity? And, of course, everybody might think it was Curiosity because Curiosity is on board, uh, sorry, has landed on Mars and is sending back stunning images. But interestingly enough, it was not Curiosity. It was a spacecraft launched 10 years ago. It's known, and you can Google this, as the Mars... Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Now, let me give you some facts and figures about it. The Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter was launched on August the 12th, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we're talking about time, 2005, and it has orbited Mars 40,000 times already, and it's returned more than 250 terabits of data wow. so far um you know i mean that is just uh that's like you know, given on the web, nearly four months of non-stop high definition video streaming. I mean, it is incredible. But Duncan, it was called, co- it, the breakthrough was caused. The breakthrough was this. They sco- they discovered hydrated salts. Hydrated means simply, uh, these are salts mixed with water. Now that's incredible. It's like salty water, if you like. Um, and there's some very sophisticated uh, names such as hydrated salts, magnesium, magnesium, perchlorate, magnesium chlorate and sodium perchlorate but the important thing is this folk is that it was all um, the analysis was conducted by instruments spectrometers on board the Mars reconnaissance orbiter and in my additional time which I've been graciously granted today I just want to end off by saying that the NASA scientists are to be congratulated on an absolutely extraordinary feat. I th- I must salute all the NASA scientists, uh, those involved. Uh, Duncan, this is dedication on a grand scale, you know, looking at images for about 10 years. I don't know how long you normally look at and photograph for, Duncan. Would it be a minute or two, a nice digital image of your companion? Ha,
0: look at... For the whole day. Ah, of
1: well, Duncan looks at these images for the whole day. Well, that's awesome. Now, uh, in space, uh, we study heavenly bodies such as Mars, and we look at the data over a period of 10 years. I think that is dedication. And using these highly sophisticated spectrometers on board the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, uh, we have discovered hydrated salts. In other words, what does that say? It says there's been trickles of water uh containing salt uh and salt-like compounds trickling down these dark narrow streaks uh yielding these dark uh, narrow streaks on the slopes of Mars now Where to go if you want to follow more information? Well, why not just type in then Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Go to its homepage. There's a homepage hosted by JPL. Who is JPL? That's the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And you can get all the latest feeds. I mean, Duncan's just showing me now They're boxes and boxes and boxes. Uh, What do you call them, Duncan? They're not boxes, but little, little icons that you can click. And, uh, you know, just a little YouTubes if you like that you can play so that's what you need to do now is people like Darren people like uh, Sally uh, need to actually do that Duncan we're going to wrap up now I'd like to thank you so much for your attention I do apologize for the late feed but that was beyond my control Mars salutes you with a wink in Rena Bloomberg's eye Professor David Block signing out
0: It's time for a WeChat workout. WeChat. Go go, go to the Cliff Central account. Tap connect. Then message to show. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. This
1: is Cliffcentral.com.